Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Wisdom Wednesday, and we've got Mike Golick Jr. I'm a big fan of his on multiple levels, and there's a lot of things I want to talk to him about today, including some of the things going on in college football, how it affects the NFL, his alma mater, Notre Dame in particular, Brian Kelly got a lot of criticism. I'm curious to try to dig a little bit deeper in that. Of course, no Andrew Brandt today means you need to download and listen to the business of sports this week to get your Andrew Brandt fill we're only two days away from a new Spread the Word winner, a new sponsor confirmation email winner, and a new YouTube shout-out winner. I think you guys know what to do. Spread the Word at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. Love the quote tweets, love the replies, love the Facebook shares, all of that stuff. Any of our sponsors are amazing. LinkedIn, Uncommon Goods, Babel. Why don't you give somebody the gift of learning a little bit more about a second language. If you guys are going on a vacation or something next year, we'll get into that a little bit later. I think I said we're presented by DraftKings already. I can't remember, though, so I'll say it again because I don't want to get in trouble. And our patron shout-out of the day, patreon.com slash rtmedia, is the great Brian Bartlett. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, so I feel like I hear this guy everywhere now because, number one, he does college football games on the weekend, which is great. I've heard him do that a number of times. Number two, I listen to him on Canny and Golick from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern time often on ESPN Radio. And evidently, somehow, he is the five-hour energy guy globally. (laughs) He is the global five-hour energy guy and I find myself very glad that a, one of us, an offensive lineman, is a five-hour energy guy, but also, like, jealous. Like, go, like, five-hour energy is guy. It's amazing. So check him out on social, at Mike Golick Jr. Mike, I see you everywhere on the five-hour energy thing. How did that thing happen? That's awesome. It, it really is amazing. I keep saying they must have made a mistake at some point here, but they found – I had no idea – that was going to run as much as it did because 
you're right. For all the things that like I'm fortunate to get to do at ESPN and all the different opportunities, there is nothing that I get text messages from my friends more of than my big dumb face on some TV screen at a bar or in an airport somewhere slinging five hours. So I, I don't know how it worked out, but like you said, it is nice to represent the big fellas here in the advertising community. You know what's so funny, Mike? Um, it's good timing, actually, because Darren Ravel from the Action Network just recently <laughs> tweeted that offensive linemen are not marketable. Now, he was talking about, in fairness, wasn't talking about former players like you and I in the media. And I don't think he was even talking about NFL guys because I just, when I first saw offensive linemen are not marketable, like, there's nobody more marketable in the city of Philadelphia than Jason Kelsey. I mean, if, if Jason Kelsey touched anything, it would turn to gold. I think he was referring to offensive linemen, but the first thing I would say is, I mean, you're a former offensive lineman, and you're the star of five-hour energy. Listen, that's what I tried to gently remind Darren yesterday, is that just because he is one of the smaller community and just because – he could never become a big boy like us. And clearly he feels some type of way about that. He's jealous that we have seen, not only like you just mentioned, Kelsey, Lane Johnson in Philadelphia, who's about as big a personality as any athlete you're going to find in that city. I mean, we've got guys all over the place doing big things. You and I are out here trying to make this stuff happen. But even in college, when all that NIL stuff went into play, who's the first place, who's the first position group everyone went to? It was the big guys slinging restaurants, going out here, showing up for their Thursday night dinner at some place to attract a hometown audience. So I don't want to hear that from Darren. I will not entertain that because he's just flat out wrong here. We have seen everyone loves a big boy. So that's the thing that I, I'm surprised he said that because – I don't even follow NIL that closely. And if you're uh, more of a professional football fan, as a lot of the Raw Sucker podcast listeners are, you know, college players are now able to get money, endorsement money, essentially. Autographs, jersey sale, whatever. They're able to get money for their name, image, and likeness. But like most, a lot of offensive linemen, I've seen Cade Mays from Tennessee doing Bojangles stuff, which is amazing. You know, the Wisconsin offensive line, their, you know, Mission Barbecues, the official barbecue of the, I don't know how much money they're getting, but they're, they're getting, like, they're clearly, the point is, is they're clearly marketable, and Ravel's clearly wrong on that. And, like, you know what, at the, like, ba most base level, we are the physically biggest billboards you can buy in college sports, right? Like, all the rest of these guys, you are getting because you're never getting usually just one offensive lineman. Like you mentioned, Kate, a lot of these are group deals for them. So you're quite literally getting the most bang for your buck in this situation just on physical ad space alone. It's smart business. I don't know why I have to explain that to Darren. So the last thing on this, because I guess his, his point was yeah. this was supposed to be designed for actual businesses that – we're hoping to get a return on an investment for the marketing power and prowess of college players. And I thought he made a good point. A lot of the guys that got a lot of this money, it didn't go real well. I mean, Spencer Rattler and Patrick Nix, a lot of these guys, you know, they. I'm glad they got their money from NIL because 
they're not going to the NFL draft this year or having a lot of success in that regard. Um, but his concern is he basically said that this Texas fund that's been set up to give every offensive lineman $50,000, that that is tantamount to cheating and that, you know, that's not what this NIL was designed for and that really this is now cheating because they're really just giving that money to try to have a better football team. And to that I say, good. Because they've been putting that money into the coach. I mean, hell, look at the coaching carousel offseason we just had in college football and all the funny money that's getting paid out to those guys. Look at the gross upgrades to facilities going on across college football. If the money, because NIL was designed to finally compensate athletes for their name, image, and likeness. However that works out, so be it. In my mind, it was, we are finally getting money in the hands of players. And if that happens to brush up right against, put its toes right over the line and stare out at the edge of payer playment, so be it. I, I think this is a long time coming. And I think if someone wants to pay them, then that's what they're worth. Like that's how the market is supposed to work. And Darren is right. If these companies see, hey, there's not a major return on investment, some of them will walk away. Others who are a part of a lot of these funds that, let's be quite honest, are usually fed by fans of that institution who want to see their football team be better. I say so be it because that money's going to find its way into the program somehow. Like we act like all of a sudden this is changing the haves and have nots in college football. It's not. The same institutions have always had big money. It's just going to the right people now. Yeah, and really beforehand, all they would do was just more facilities, more like I saw the Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley's office in Oklahoma. It's the most <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I mean, like they really didn't have anywhere else if they wanted to support the program to put the money. Like that, they didn't have anywhere else. Now they can actually go ahead and give it to the players, which I think is great. I'm happy for the players. It does bring up what I think is an interesting question that I put on Twitter last week at Ross Tucker NFL. Let's say you get a million bucks and you want to put it into a, you know, you, you love your school, you love your program. Is that money better served by helping to uh, pay the assistant coaches or attract even a more brand name or well-known or more successful head coach? Or are you better off having that million dollars go to 50000 for every scholarship, O-lineman and D-lineman, and have that be a way to help get better players? Yeah, that's one of those things that depends on the coach. Because there are some coaches out here that certainly, whether it's their recruiting prowess or otherwise, what they're able to do on the field, do an outstanding job. But I think to your point, people are starting to see and understand. All right. the I mean, we've known this for a while. Recruiting is the lifeblood of college football. It has never been a more competitive arms race than it is right now. And so if this can lure a few extra four and five star talented players onto your roster, especially for these top end teams competing for those resources, it is going to be a whatever it takes model. And I think you're going to see a lot more people opt for that, at least right now, while we're figuring this out, because this is trial and error at this point. I think you're going to see more people opt for that than maybe, hey, let me get my name on another building or let me get my name on the locker room that we just upgraded here when I can worry more about the guys going in that locker room. All right. So one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on, Mike, not only because I, I, I enjoy listening to you and I enjoy your work, but 
There was a lot of hard feelings, it seemed like, at Notre Dame about Brian Kelly leaving and the way in which he left. I guess I'm hoping you can explain it to me. And I don't want to I don't want to ask a leading question. So explain to me the hard feelings for Notre Dame or the uproar or whatever. Is it just the fact that he left at all that a coach would leave Notre Dame for another place? Is it the way in which he left? Explain it to me and then I'll ask my questions after. Yeah, so I think it's twofold. I, I think one part of this is the how. And my pushback on that is always, how would you like it done? Because even with the best intentions that we saw from, let's say, Mario Cristobal and his exit in Oregon, it was still a very public ordeal that was playing out in a way that was going to be tough to stomach if you were an Oregon player watching all these public overtures for your coach from Miami play out all while Miami's players and coaches had to deal with this still hired at that staff. So people push back on this idea that, oh, players had to find out on social media and all that stuff, the 7 a.m. team meeting for Brian, which my only beef is it was that early. Like you had to get up to tell me that. We all knew what the drill was. But as far as the right way to do these things, I'm not sure that one exists, especially when you've got it transpiring as fast as it is. So I kind of give Brian some grace there in saying that it's really hard to go out here trying to be making the best decision for you and your family and then to communicate that to 120-plus players, your staff, and everyone around there in a manner that the outside world deems, you know, quote-unquote fair. I think where the real rubber meets the road on this is this was sort of a gut check for Notre Dame fans and one of those things like, are we still who we think we are? Because – Seeing the coach who just became the all-time winningest head coach in school history leave for another job makes everyone involved feel uncomfortable, right? It makes you feel like you're a stepping stone job. Are you the same program you were? And I think that's kind of where Notre Dame is now is, all right, you bring in Marcus Freeman, who is committed, who has said out loud in every platform I've heard, you can win a national championship here. What that's going to take is getting recruiting to a place where you can be more competitive with the LSU's Georgia's and Alabama's of the world because that in my mind is why Brian left he had felt like he'd run into a ceiling at Notre Dame he had been there 12 years and he's going to a place where he's seen the last three coaches win a national championship and that didn't feel great for people wearing blue and gold so Mike this is why you're awesome honestly dude both of those you in my mind you could not have answered more perfectly like I have all these follow-up questions I have all these whatabouts you're actually a Notre Dame alum that is objective and answered both of those perfectly in my mind. I've been saying this since last week. How do you want him to do it? It's not like he's the one leaking it. It's either his agent or LSU that leaked he's going there. The guy flew back to do an in-person meeting, and I read one report that it was 11 minutes, another report that it was two minutes. What? Well, What's the right amount of time? Yeah. What would you want him to say other than, listen, guys, I'm taking what I think is a better opportunity for my family. Like, thank you for everything you've done, but this is something I feel like I need to do. I, like, I'm so glad you said that. And by the way, I don't know about you, but I had heard for years that he wanted to leave and that it was the academic restrictions at Notre Dame that prevented him, them, in his mind, from getting some of the skill position speed 
that he feels like he needs to be able to win a national championship. And I'd heard that from multiple people over the last two years. I'm sure you had heard something like this wasn't like a huge surprise to me. No, and I think a lot of people honestly thought it would be Southern Cal. Like, I, I think a lot of people had always thought Brian sort of was a better fit because everyone talks about the regional fit now. We obviously had the gaffe at the basketball game where he decided to, you know, throw on an accent that we hadn't heard from Brian before. But, <laughs> you know, that that was that's a whole different thing. But, uh, no, I, I think you're right. Like, and, and that's kind of always the history of Notre Dame is this ebb and flow of – all right, when do the standards allow for a few more guys to get in that maybe wouldn't have otherwise here? But Monty Jones, who, who worked with us at ESPN, said this to me the other day. He's like, Notre Dame probably deserves more credit than it gets for fielding a football team that's been as competitive as it does where everyone's got to pass calculus their freshman year. And that's true. Like, you got to go and get through Calc 1. I made the mistake of trying to do Calc 2 and got humbled very quickly. But now I, I think this is the interesting part about where Marcus Freeman steps into all this because – Brian mentioned the recruiting aspect of that. Part of the appeal of being able to lure a Marcus Freeman, who is now their head coach, who was the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame this last year and with Cincinnati before that, is he is a dynamic recruiter. And that's been reflected. With Brian at Notre Dame, we were consistently like a top 15 to the back-end top 10 class when it came to recruiting. The class right now for Notre Dame is top five. The class for the upcoming year is top three. Like, you've already seen a bit of a boost from that. and so. That's going to be the next step. If Marcus can keep this up, then maybe you change the narrative that Brian was talking about. And you know, narrative is probably not even the right word because it was the reality for a while. That was where Notre Dame lacked. We'd have one or two really good top-end skill guys, but the difference when you can recruit the way you know Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State do is they've got depth at those positions. And that was where Notre Dame lacked when you got to those big moments. Yeah, I thought it was um... – Funny too, not funny, but if you've ever noticed, like, and this is something I can say because I, I, you know, I'm not part of like the blue blood or FBS college football. I played at Princeton, right? Every program has an overinflated sense of self-worth. You know, like the Oklahoma people are just incredulous that anybody could ever leave there. The Notre Dame people are shocked. Even like, Penn State, right? I live an hour from Penn State. And those people think that Penn State is like a top five national program. Whereas I can be objective enough to say, no, I think it's top 10. I think it's bottom of the top 10. They recruit pretty well, but they're not up there with Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, even being able to get recruits that USC gets like they're not they're not there but people around here think that they are you know and it's just there's not a program out there like the Alabama fans would be absolutely shocked if Saban left to go to the NFL right like everybody thinks that their place is probably a little bit better than it really is yep and and, well and I think you brought up it's something that can kind of be an interesting distinction in all this like a top five program versus a top five job. Like a lot, like LSU is a top five job. It's not a top five program right now. And and that's what we're seeing is all this is getting reshuffled around money and resources. But you're right. It it goes back to this ego based on, in a lot of instances, 
the past stuff, right? For Penn State, it's a glorious past. For Notre Dame, it's the proud, rich history. That's that's something Notre Dame fans get accused of often is living in the past. And I've tried to point out now as, as we've gotten in here, I think that's been the easy, the interesting transition for Notre Dame is you can live in the now and be pretty happy. Five straight double-digit win seasons that they've had, the success that Brian Kelly had in the last 12 years, it's easy to be happy with what's here and now. As a Notre Dame fan who grew up when Bob Davey was coaching, like we didn't have a lot of things to celebrate when I was a kid. So this has been pie in the sky for me, getting to go out and not get embarrassed in front of company. And so Notre Dame's been maybe, you know, a, a, you can debate the job status because of how difficult recruiting can be at times. It's been a top five, top six program in the college football playoff era. Now the question is, how do you make that jump? Because there's a clear upper crust in college football and it is based on the programs that are willing to massively fund football and usually the programs that have incredible recruits right in their backyard. If you've got that in your zip code, you're at a place, like you mentioned, Southern Cal, LSU, even Miami is getting ready to see how this works out with Mario Cristobal for a lot of that same reason. Last question, Mike, NFL question. How many years were you teammates with Zach Martin and Notre Dame? I was teammates with Zach for four years, so Zach was a uh, Zach was a year behind me in college. Okay, um, when did you know he was really, really good, and what is it about him that makes him so good? I love watching him play. I vaguely remember coming to Notre Dame and working with you guys and working with Zach. I I, I wish somebody would have told me he was going to be that good. I would have taken more notice of it. I think you guys were young, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Oh yeah. I think you guys well, were young when I came, and uh, my my NFL offensive line coach Frank Perducci was coaching you guys at Notre Dame. So to just give me give me a, give me a, a minute or two on Zach Martin, like when you realized he was the real deal and why he's so good in your mind. Yeah, Zach always did a lot of things very naturally that you want in your offensive lineman. I, I've always said to me his greatest trait is balance. He's got an unbelievable center of gravity, and he puts his feet in the right spot so that. If his upper body gets knocked out of place, if someone gets a good swipe at his hands, he's always winning with his position relative to the quarterback and winning with his feet. And that started with like a natural bit of balance because when you brought him up, I immediately went back to Coach Verducci, who again was my offensive line coach my sophomore year. So Zach's redshirt freshman year and you're coaching the NFL. And I remember one day in practice, Zach came in, he was a bit undersized. He was like 275, 280 when he came to college before he packed on some weight in the later years. And we're out in practice and we're going through just like a pass rush drill where you're shuffling back and forth. And he had this like natural body lean where if he was going left, his body was leaning back and right. So he'd stay balanced over that inside foot. It was going the other way. And Coach Verducci looked at what him and really Chris Watt was doing the same thing. Our left guard, who's now the O-line coach at Tulane. And he looked at that and said, oh, what? yeah, the rest of you guys should be doing this. We ended up making it a drill in practice for the rest of the season because these guys did it naturally because Zach just came out and was doing this thing naturally. So it, it was unbelievable to know even then he kind of had a lot of these natural traits that worked out well. I, I mean, I could write the book on Zach Martin. The balance is phenomenal for a guy I still say could play tackle in the NFL full time if you needed him to because he's a phenomenal player with his hands. He understands leverage about as well as anyone that you're going to see. And, and I mean, the best part about Zach is he's just an unreal teammate. Like you're going to get a guy who's a walk-in gold jacket candidate, who's the best football player 
I have ever played with or against and could not have been and is still like one of the guys more than him. So I can't say enough good things about Zach. It was certainly an honor to call him a teammate. And it's going to be fun as hell to watch him put on that gold jacket whenever he decides to hang this up. Yeah, that is awesome. He's such a stud. So are you, man. At Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter. Check him out on Canny and Golick, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Radio. That is quite often what's on my dial when I'm driving my kids to or from ballet or hip-hop or tennis (laughs) or piano or whatever I'm taking them to. Uh, They are very familiar with Mike Golick Jr. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it, buddy. Man, that was awesome. Uh, I knew it would be. You know what else is awesome? Babbel, the number one selling language learning app. The whole process is really fun, fast, and easy. I've got a bunch of friends that have done this. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to the next time we take an international trip. Here's what I love about Babbel. 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. Their speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. The key is you can just learn the stuff you need to learn before you go on your trip. That's what I think is awesome. Like It's bite-sized, those 15-minute lessons. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, what a cool gift. You'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use promo code Ross. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code Ross, Babbel, language for life. Ducks takes. Morning, Ross. Let's start with uh, the COVID list additions for this week, which includes Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen, Browns tight end David Njoku, and Saints defensive end Cam Jordan. Yep, they keep racking up COVID positive tests. Now, remember, a lot of these guys had family for the holiday around them, and they get tested. I still think they get tested once or twice a week at least. But if these guys are vaccinated, they might be able to play on Sunday, like T.J. Watt. I mean, he was found positive last Monday, but he was able to play on Sunday because he got two negative tests within 24 hours of each other because he was vaccinated. So, you know, we're not ruling out Keenan Allen and Joku or Cam Jordan yet. I don't know their vaccination status. If they're unvaccinated, they're out. They're out for 10 days. But if they're vaccinated, they still have a chance to potentially um, come back. And really, you know, I I guess part of me wonders, Brian, if there's more people testing, if there's more people that are positive for COVID these days than we realize, but because they're vaccinated, maybe they don't have really bad symptoms or maybe they don't get tested, you know, because uh, their symptoms aren't as bad because they're vaccinated. Obviously not the case in the NFL where they're still getting tested regularly. Ducks takes. On to the injury front, Washington's tight end, Logan Thomas, evidently did not tear his ACL, which is great news. But Texans quarterback Tyrod Taylor does, in fact, have torn ligaments in his left wrist. Sounds like it's Davis Mills time. It should be Davis. I think I might have said this yesterday or certainly on the Even Money podcast. It should be Davis Mills time anyway. You know, there's no reason to try to get 
a worse draft pick at this point. And you got to find out in these last five games what you have in Davis Mills. See if sitting down a little bit helps him come back and play better. As for Logan Thomas, I don't know how long he's out, but that would be gigantic for Washington, clearly. Ducks takes. And finally, linebacker Will Compton signed with the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, this is kind of uh, this is kind of interesting for Compton because here's a guy that is already in the media, already doing stuff for uh, his own podcast and barstool or whatever. But now he goes ahead and he gets um, signed by the Raiders. Boy, if you're a player now, if you can start doing things while you're still playing, that is huge, huge from a media standpoint. The other thing that's huge, Crocs. Actually, they're not huge. They're lightweight and awesome. Look, I'll show you. I took the gibbets off of them. But those of you that watch YouTube.com slash NFL, I am showing you my blue slides. They're size 13. Like, I don't know what it is, but this cushion and that, like, it, it feels like a, a perma-massage on your foot. I wear them, like, as soon as I go, I'm in the detached garage right now. I go over to the house, boom, I put on other slides, my white slides. Absolutely love the Crocs, clogs, sandals, and slides. Plus, they got the Showdown Series, Predator Showdown Series. Draft the best lineup and a slice of 10 Gs could be yours across three different contests. Visit DraftKings.com slash Crocs on Christmas Day to draft your showdown line. What a fun thing to do on Christmas Day. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Let's do an email, Bright. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to Ask Ross. Email address always, ross at rosstucker.com. If you want to get at me, as the kids say, for anything, I especially love it, however, when you actually take advantage of a sponsor, and that way you guarantee that I read and respond to your question on the show. Nice question from Nathan Carvel from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Huge Eagles fan, Ross. Uh, big fan of yours as well. Listen to you when you were on the NFL radio years ago. My question is, what realistically does Jalen Hurts have to do, in your opinion, to earn the starting job next year? Does he need to be a playoff team, stay competitive? Anyway, thanks for everything, Nathan. Nathan, good question. Um and I think he probably sent this earlier in the season. You know, there's some lag time between when you guys ask a question and we get to it. And, you know, I've been asked this all the time on Philly radio from my friends. And the answer is he has to be better than whatever the Eagles' next best alternative is. That's the thing I think people lose sight of. It's like any other position. He needs to be better. If the Eagles can get Russell Wilson, I think they'll probably do that. I don't know, but I, I would think they would think long and hard about it, even though Jalen Hurts has played well this year. He needs to be better than what the Eagles' next best alternative is. However, keep this in mind. He's under contract, inexpensive for the two more years. That factors in. You know, They're not going to get a guy, that a quarterback, that might, in their mind, be a little bit better who's getting $40 million a year. That doesn't make sense. 
So there's a lot of factors that are in play. It's his performance. It's who else is available. And it's the contracts. All of those things are important to take into account. And really for Jalen with four more games left, it's how he finishes. I think how he finishes will make a big difference. They're six and seven. If he can get them three and three wins and they finish nine and eight, make the playoffs, I think he'd be in a, a pretty good position there. By the way, speaking of pretty good position, with the free fix finder service at AutoZone, you can troubleshoot more dashboard lights, including your check engine light, ABS light, and service interval light. The free fix finder will give you possible solutions for your lights, all backed by verified technicians. It'll even send you your full results in a detailed fix finder report, which is awesome. If you need help from a repair shop, they can refer you to a nearby shop. It's the most complete free warning light report backed by technician verified fixes, and you can only find it at AutoZone. So next time your dashboard lights pay you a visit, Get in the zone, auto zone. I had a little bit of a different cadence there. That was a little different. Uh, shout outs, Pizza Boy Brewing, Sporticulture, Vision Comics with an X, humanheadnyc.com, steakhousesports.com. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109WITHIT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, it doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 